Welcome to Global River Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoyed today's message. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit globalriver.org. Today, I believe we're going to be chasing the realm of the kingdom. You're probably familiar with um, that scripture in Matthew 6.33, seek first, the, the New Living Translation, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and everything that you need will be added to you. I love the way um, the Passion Bible says it. Let me break this down. This is Passion 633. It says, so above all, constantly chase after the realm of God's kingdom and his righteousness that proceeds from him, then all the less important things will be given to you abundantly. Above all, constantly chase after the realm of the king. Well, what's a realm? It's a domain where the kingdom rules, the king's domain. So constantly, every day, constantly chase the realm. And the righteousness that he gives us. Remember, you've been declared the righteousness of Christ. Eleven times in Romans chapter 3, 4, 5, it says, you have been made the righteousness of Christ by faith in him. I don't care what ugly, I love what Diana was sharing, right? It, Isaiah had unclean lips, and he said, I'm a man of unclean lips. And the, as soon as the angel touched his lips, I will go for you, right? Because he makes us righteous. So chase the realm of the kingdom, and all the less important things will be given to you abundantly. That's John 10.10 as well. Jesus said, I've come to give them life in all of their abundance. So... Biblically, as we chase after, well, last week's sermon was, before I formed you, I knew you, Jeremiah 1.5. Before God formed you, I knew you. We were reading in our, my son's Bible this morning, God chose you. You didn't choose him. He chose you. And I was like, God, even this morning, I, I walked out and I was feeding the birds and all that, and I'm like... God, why did you choose me? I, I don't know if I would choose me. <laughs> and it was like, I chose you. Psalm 139, we covered this last week. David, King David says, he declares, you made all my delicate parts, all the secret things that were formed when you made me in my mother's womb. And then he goes on and says, every day was recorded in your book. We looked at a couple of scriptures, but I want to start there today. Turn with me to Daniel chapter 7 for a moment. We're going to talk about books, and then there's a very sobering scripture in the book of Revelation. In Daniel chapter 7. This is the interpretation of a dream that Daniel had had. He's before the king, and it talks about the judgment and the sovereignty of God. He says, the courts become in session. And it's at that place where the books are then opened. The ancient of days comes and he sits down. 
the ancient of days at the end of this era, the ancient of days sits in the seat of the throne of judgment. And he calls and he says, let the books be opened. And I had this, when I was in this place of worship this morning, and all of a sudden I saw like you might have a big, I've seen these giant Bibles, right, that are sometimes opened. And the Bible was opened, was huge. And in, as I flipped to the front of the Bible, you know, in some Bibles they have the family tree. This one was born to this one, it was born to this one, right? It has the names and the dates and who and their children and the tree goes out. And in that place there was the tree of the family of God that was written in the book of life. But there were empty slots as well where people's names had been taken out of the tree because it was never his intention that any should perish. But he gives us a choice. It says the books were opened in Daniel. Look at verse 9. Daniel 7, 9. It says, And I beheld the thrones were cast down, and the Ancient of Days did sit, whose garment was white as snow, and the hair on his head was pure wool, and his throne was like a fiery flame burning with fire. A fiery stream issued and came forth from before him. Thousands of thousands ministered to him. Tens of thousand times tens of thousands stood before him. And the judgment was set. And the books were opened. And it goes on, it says, and those, look at verse 10. The river of fire was pouring out, flowing in his presence. Millions of angels ministered to him. Millions stood to attend to him. And the court began its session, and the books were opened. We see in Revelation 17, it speaks again of the book of life. But I'd like you to turn with me to Revelation chapter 20. And let's look at the books being opened at the end of this age that Daniel spoke about. In Revelation 20, let's begin in verse 11. The final judgment. And I saw a great white throne and the one that was sitting on it, and the earth and the sky fled from his presence. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God, and the books were opened, and another book which was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it. Death and hell were delivered up the dead which were in them. And they were judged, every man, according to their works." I want you to see there are books. There's the book of life. If your name's not written in the Lamb's book of life, don't leave. Don't end this day without praying the prayer of salvation. Then we looked at Romans chapter 1. We read all of that chapter, and we looked at the three categories of people that are identified in Romans 1. Those who are the Bible believers, they have the biblical worldview. God is at the center He's the king. He's the CEO of the universe. 
Then there's the unwise, the, the foolish, the, the actually Romans says utter fools. Those are humanistic. It's, it's man-centered. It's all about man. It's, it has nothing to do with God. It's all humanism. Man-centered, and God says, you're utter fools. But then there was another category of the wickedness, of the evil, the reprobates. Those who, he says, you're without excuse because all creation every day, from the sun rising to the setting thereof, kingdom revelation comes from the kingdom of creation that we seek. And you're without, it says in Romans 1, you're without excuse. You cannot say there is no God. But those who are reprobate, they knew about God. It says they knew him, they refused to worship him, they invented ways to do evil, and then they even teach others to do evil, more wicked than themselves. And it shows the progression of the downward spiral that I'm very disappointed about what's happening in our nation right now. The spiral of the sin that is going on in our nation right now. There are reprobates that will never be redeemed, even though it was God's plan that they would be saved. But the reprobate have said, I will not. In fact, they opened the door to an antichrist spirit that totally is anti-God in every aspect. They may not be aware, and they're so captured in the darkness, believing that what they believe is correct and it's incorrect. It's not true. If they had known this book and had read this book, the revelation of this truth would have revealed truth to them but they can't receive it. And therefore, God says, I gave them up to a reprobate mind. And we said, well, what would something in creation that you could undeniably say, God is alive because look at that. There's just no way. And I unpacked. I had so many comments this week of people when I talked about the physiology of the human body, the creation of humans. And, we, and it was like, that was amazing. I said, yeah. You know, the heart beats 100,000 times a day, pumps 2,000 gallons of blood through 60,000 miles of blood vessels and capillaries in your body. Get a concept of that. 60,000 miles is the estimated distance of all the vessels that your heart beats to 2,000 gallons a day to. And I said, you ought to go find your cardiologist and ask him, where does the heart signal? Where does the electric signal? Go find a cardiologist. And then I forgot that Tony Maglione and Mindy are here, my mom's cardiologist. <laughs> and he came up, Tony came up at the end with a big smile on his face. He goes, I got to tell you, Pastor. I was 21 or 22, and I was studying physiology of the human body, and I got saved. There is no way. Right, Tony? There's no way, absolutely no way that that happened. By It's the Josh McDowell book. I remember years ago, I had a, a guy who was struggling with God, whether God really existed. If you have never seen it, you know, there's, a, there's several volumes by Josh McDowell called Evidence That Demands a Verdict. There is evidence that demands a verdict. And he wrote, he says, I'm going to go prove, I'm going to read the Bible, I'm going to prove that the, there is no God. He was an atheist. And he started reading the Bible, and he started, it was like the Holy Ghost started, he goes, oh no. <laughs> the probability and statistics to like the 10 to the 70th power, right, that God doesn't exist. And he, he said, 
He became a Christian. He goes, this, this is just no way. All the prophecies fulfilled to the details they were fulfilled, written by how many authors over how many centuries, and it fits and it works? Come on. Evidence that demands a verdict. The electric impulses in a single day that are generated in the synapses of your brain are more powerful and more of that put together than all the telephones operating today in, the, in, the, in our world. Your brain impulses, your DNA that's so unique, that contains how does a sperm and an egg get together with such a DNA that it vibrates with your uniqueness and it tells you your eyebrows to grow and your eyes to form and your organs, all 78 organs to operate all together in perfect sequence to grow and to function. Come on! You gotta be kidding me. Oh, well, we believe it evolved. There was a God, I guess, I don't know where the electric, elect, the uh, like the lightning came that hit the single cell of mud. Where, where'd the mud come from? That boom, and then over millions of years, it evolved into this. You're nuts. You gotta be nuts. Come on. Well, the longer you wait, the more... No. I used the example of, of, of Brenton's Corvette. If you took my old Tacoma truck and waited a million years, it would not become a Corvette. <laughs> I'm sorry. Or better yet, why don't you take the iron ore that sits in the mountain and just wait. Hit it with an electron and it'll make a Corvette. I, no wonder they're called utter fools. You are, you're just, you're an utter fool. I'm sorry. It just doesn't work. There's this revelation that comes and God says he's going to share more and more secrets and they're finding out more and more science is like, Oh, the Bible's right. <laughs> um, Walter Goey, a couple of Wednesdays back, way back, he was doing a, an amazing teaching. And here was another example of science like, oh. You remember in the Old Testament, we now have a New Testament that has uh, made the Old Testament obsolete. We have a more perfect New Testament in Christ and His blood, right? And so Hebrew says the Old Testament has become obsolete. We have a more perfect New Testament. Well, in the Old Testament, it said, don't lay hands on a leper because you'll become unclean. They didn't understand viruses and all. They didn't understand any of that stuff. But in the New Testament, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. Now go lay hands on the sick and they'll recover. Here's another one. The Old Testament says, don't circumcise. When the covenant was created, that God was going to establish his covenant, he said, on the eighth day, Abraham, I want you to circumcise the males. Well, why eight days, God? And Walter shared with us, do you realize, they have now found out, that on the eighth day, vitamin K peaks in a firstborn. And the likelihood of infection is lower. Well, why is circumcised? The whole thought of that is like, yipes, right? <laughs> Trust me. Um, and so, but they have found out that circumcised males are less likely to give cervical cancer over time to females. You think God's pretty smart? Yeah, I think so. And so there's this place, there's like, oh, we're finding out that God is, he's a genius. He's an absolute genius. So what about the mysteries of the kingdom that we are in pursuit of? Is it okay to pursue mystery? And there was a writing, you know, Ron Bircham 
sends out every morning to men's group, and I, I, I send it, I feel like it's my day. At 7 o'clock, you could set your watch, bing, it's Ron, and, and I look at it. Well, this, a few days back, there was a write, writing by Bill Johnson about the mystery that we have to embrace the mystery. That if you are unable to embrace the mystery, you'll miss some things or you'll create things that have nothing. Remember, his ways are not our ways, right? Isaiah 55. His, his thoughts and his ways are higher than ours. Bill writes, he says, Bill Johnson writes, he says, our mistake is often we, we try to create explanations to things that we don't understand or maybe tragedies or difficulties that God is not even causing. This kind of reasoning appeals to the minds of those who have not settled into a lifestyle that treasures mystery. Treasure the mystery. See, God is sovereign. He doesn't need anybody's opinion or approval. He will do what he wants to do. And there are things that you, it is a settled deal. Jesus is coming back whether you vote yes or no. He's coming back at just the right time, just the right, every, when the, when the, when the perfect bowls of fillness of that have come, he said, go get my kids. Gather them from the four corners. And so God is all-powerful. He's independent of all others. So we have to hold this space of mystery in our thinking and help me never to minimize or explain away in some way of trying to protect myself or humanistic reasoning. I can't tell you how many times people get angry at God because they don't like something that's happened. I'm I understand that things happen that we would never choose. But be careful. Just say, God, I don't understand what you're doing, but I know that you're good. Simple theology. God is good. The devil is bad. That's all I need to know. Simple man, simple fact. Pack everything there and you will be okay. See, we've been written into this equation, this expression of the sovereignty of God, and he uses us in the midst of it to help bring the kingdom people together. But I want us to look at a couple of verses. Turn with me to Deuteronomy chapter 29. Deuteronomy 29. The context of this is Israel at this point has wandered in the desert for... 40 years, we, at men's group, man, we had 21 men at the men's group last week. It was, and men got as real as I've seen them get real. And when that starts happening, boy, I am excited. When men start to pull down their veil and say, hey, here's my mess. I'm sorry, I want to repent before all of you in front of God. And like, whoa. We were looking at this thing of Caleb, and we looked at Gideon, the week before that, and then we were going to get to look at Aaron, but we got hijacked by the Holy Ghost in that, and we, so I don't know what tomorrow will bring, but I just, I want you to realize that they had wandered around for 40 years, and only two of them who had the right witness of God were going to be able to come into the promised land. They're at that point, and in Deuteronomy 29, Moses is going to review the covenant with the people. And I want you to listen to where we are because this is the danger that I see right now in this nation. We've got leaders, we've got church leaders, we've got individuals that are scoffing at God and they, are, they don't understand the judgment that could come. But woe unto us that we would have the fear of the Lord and not walk there. 
Remember, he says in Revelation 3.10, he says, because you have persevered, I will keep you from what is coming as judgment upon the whole earth. So persevere in that, right? So Moses summons all the Israelites in Deuteronomy 29, and he's, he tells them, you have seen with your own eyes. Chapter, verse 2. So he summons them, he says, you've seen with your own eyes everything the Lord did in the land of Egypt to Pharaoh and all the servants of this whole country. All the great tests of strength, the miraculous signs, the amazing wonders. But to this day, the Lord has not given you minds to understand, nor eyes to see, or ears that hear. For 40 years I led you in the wilderness, yet your clothes and sandals didn't wear out. You ate no bread, you drank no wine or alcoholic drink, but he gave you food, so you know that he is the Lord your God. Verse 9, therefore obey the terms of this covenant, and you will prosper in everything that you do. Tells the tribal leaders, standing here today in the presence of God with all your children and family. You're standing here today and you enter into the covenant with the Lord your God. The Lord is making a covenant including the curses. Verse 12, by entering this covenant today, you establish you as the people that confirm that he is your God, that as he promised you and swore to your ancestor Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. But you're not only the ones with whom I'm making this covenant, there are, with the curses I'm making a covenant both with you who stand here today in the presence of the Lord and all the future generations who are not standing here today. Verse 18, I'm making this covenant with you so that no one among you, no man, no woman, no clan, no tribe, will turn away from the Lord our God to worship these gods of other nations so that no root among you bears the bitter and poisonous fruit. Those who hear these warnings of this curse should not congratulate themselves thinking, I'm safe even though I'm following the desires of my own stubborn heart. This would lead to utter ruin. This will never pardon such people. Instead, his anger and his jealousy will burn against them. All the curses written in this book will come down on them and the Lord will erase their names from under heaven. That ought to wake us up. This casualness, this inability to follow a desire after him. Verse 25, he says, the answer will be this happened because the people of this land abandoned the covenant of the Lord, the God of their ancestors made with them. That's why I'm so concerned about where we are today as a nation. Chapter 30, turn the page. He says, in verse 15, there's a choice between life and death. Deuteronomy 30, verse 15. Now listen, today I'm giving you a choice between life and death, between prosperity and disaster. I command you this day to love the Lord your God and keep his commandments, his decrees, regulations, walking in his ways. If you do this, you will live and you will multiply and the Lord God will bless you in the land you're about to enter and occupy. But if your heart turns away and you refuse to listen, and if you're drawn away to serve and worship other gods, I warn you that you will certainly be destroyed. You will not live a long life in the land that you're crossing into Jordan to occupy. Today I have given you the choice between life and death, between the blessings and cursings, and now I call on heaven and earth to witness 
the choice you make. Oh, oh, that you would choose life so that you and your descendants might live. You can make this choice by loving the Lord your God, obeying Him, and committing yourself firmly to Him. This is the key to your life. And if you love and obey the Lord, you will live long in the land the Lord swore to give your ancestors, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And you remember, you say, well, I'm talking about Israel. No. In Galatians 3, under the Abrahamic promise of covenant, you are part of the inheritance because of your belief in Christ. So there's a severe and sober warning there that I wanted to set the groundwork of covenant because now turn to your outline. It says, faith is the substance. Now you can look at different translations, but I like the King James and several others. It says, the substance, the assurance, the... So it is, faith is the substance, Hebrews 11.1, 1, of the things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. Now here's where we're going to start to go into, buckle up, we're going to dive. A supernatural God and His supernatural kingdom are accessible by supernatural faith. But faith in What? There are people that have faith in humanism. They have faith in other gods. You may have faith in yourself. This is talking about if you want to get into a place of operating in a supernatural place with God, you have to have faith in Him alone. It's the substance. It's the uh, ingredient. It is the currency. It is the the road, it's the highway, it's the, it's the opening, it's the methodology. If you have not faith in God, you cannot meet the supernatural God. First of all, you're doomed. If you don't have faith in Christ and believe who he said he is, if you will confess with your mouth and believe in your heart, then you're saved, right? So there's this place, we know that that's the open door, but there's so much more of the kingdom. And we're going to touch on some scriptures that just like, What? How is that possible? Because we're so naturally minded. Because we live in this natural realm. But he wants to say, no, I want you to recognize you're seated in the second, you're seated in the third heaven. Like Paul said, I went there, right? I went to the third heaven. I couldn't utter things I saw. And then Ephesians tells us you're seated with Christ in the heavenly realms. So in the spirit realm, because you're born again, you're sitting there with Christ in those realms. That's why you can walk right into the throne room of God without fear of judgment. You're already born again. You're washed in the blood. You're covered in the blood. You're marked by the heavens. You walk into the throne room. It's like, I'm here. Ah, yes, we've been waiting. But if you get a recognition, you're already seated there. Therefore, what you say from that place of the third heaven, of that kingdom present, you operate in places. That's why you can command mountains to go into the sea. You can tell a mulberry bush to be lifted up and thrown. That's like, wait a minute. Well, how come the prophet could cause an axe head to float? I mean, there's some really wild stuff in this book, right? I listed just a few here. When you look at this creative, sovereign God, the creation reveals him. He's the master. I want you to get this picture, and we've, we've covered this in the past, but that word in Ephesians 2, 10, where it talks about you're a masterpiece, 
You're a workmanship. That word in the Hebrew and Greek, the workmanship actually means masterpiece. And it has the, 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 the revelation of a piece of marble and a craftsman who has his chisel and his hammer. And he has a vision of what it's to be. And he chisels here. And he takes the circumstance of life. And he chisels there. And another circumstance chisel. And this masterpiece is emerging. To do the good works, it says, to do the good works he planned for you before the foundation of the earth. So you're a masterpiece. He's creating you. And he says, he who began the work, how long did it take some of these craftsmen to do that chiseling of marble with the naked statues that are there, right? Like I heard years, right? Years to, can you imagine? I probably, that's why I'm not an artist. <laughs> I, I bless those who are, but it's like, Years to keep, wow. But then in Philippians, that brings revelation to Philippians 1, 6. He who began the work in you will perform it till the day comes for you, right? So he's working you, right? He's working even when I don't see him working, the song we sing. Okay, all right, so let's, let's dive. So look, the natural laws. Now, when Pat was typing this, she was getting bleary-eyed. She goes, I don't understand it a lot of what you typed here. I even called my wife and said, you need to read his sermon. <laughs> Okay, natural laws. Now, let me bring you back to your grade school, high school, middle school, right? Force is equal to mass times acceleration, right? Well, Pastor, I don't need to know that. But you still operate in it, right? When you hit the accelerator of your car, it moves. And when you get to the stoplight, you force the brake, and it stops, right? You, you stop the acceleration. So there's this, the greater the force, right? So this is that place where Force, acceleration, so those are natural laws. How about voltage is equal to current times resistance? V equals IR. Remember that from high school? Somebody shake their head and say, that's a long time ago. I, okay. But, you know, it's like, well, I don't need to know that. Well, yes, you do. I often use the example, go stick your tongue in the socket back there and find out if it works. Right? right? So voltage, those are natural laws. They're repeatable. If you get the right resistor with the... Mike's this electrical guy. He works in, he, he knows all about that. He comes and looks at the panel in my house. Oh, we got a problem here. And so, like, so if you understand they're repeatable, they form a natural understanding of the laws of gravity. Now, you can supersede them naturally. If you take gravity and you run an airplane wing over a volume of air, the aileron causes lift. Mike's a pilot. That works, right? What happens if you take airflow off the wing. It goes like that, and gravity takes it over again, right? So aerodynamics, you can override, you can override natural orders by following other superseding. That's why don't lay your hands on a, on a leper in the Old Testament. In the New Testament, there's a new thing called the Holy Ghost, which is on the inside of you. Therefore, lay your hands on the sick, and they will recover, right? And once you understand supernatural quantum faith, there's going to be this upload of revelation that's going to allow you to lay hands on the sick, and we're going to see greater recoveries, right? We're going to go there, and you're going to say, wow, this is like, yeah, it's, yeah, it is. It's supernatural. Okay, so look at number two there. The laws of faith supersede the natural laws. We understand that by the scripture. Jesus and Peter both walked on water. The Red Sea parted. Elisha floated in an axe head. Paul and Silas worshipped and prison doors opened. The church prayed and Peter walked out of prison. 
the door's unlocked. Now, those are not natural events, correct? But yet we read them as Christians say, well, that's really nice. Now, if you're a cessationist, you say, well, that's the prophets and the apostles. of No, we don't believe in the cessation. Jesus said he prayed. He said, go and do the works that I do. Even greater shall you do, right? John 14, 12. And so there's this place where we see these supernatural, and we're like, oh, that's nice. That's for somebody else. Oh, no. How about the scripture that laid me flat years ago in Mark 16? These signs shall follow them that believe. They will cast out demons in my name. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. They will handle deadly things without harm. I read that and go, I don't have a lot of that following me. And the Holy Spirit said, well, why not? Then just before this says, go into all the world. Make disciples of all men. We started going to missions and God unpacked that. And this little old Nuclear engineer who didn't want to bother devils, didn't even think they existed. And then they're manifesting all over the place. And in the name of Jesus, come out. And they come out. And the blind eyes open. And the tumors disappear. And you're sitting there. My wife, we were in, in Brazil in the Amazon region. This guy prays on it. And a tumor falls out of the body of this woman right there. A bloody mess. And I'm like, what? We're, in, we're not in Kansas anymore, Toto. I don't know what's going on here, but I'll tell you what, God is manifesting his presence. And all of that was to say, I'm a supernatural sovereign God. And I can do, if you will relinquish all of this brainiac stuff and come and seek me and believe supernaturally who I am, I will work these things through you to the point where others will see it and get saved. Because the signs will verify that the message is true. And so there's this, wow, God, but what is this language? Number three, what is this language of the king and his kingdom? You know, when we translate, right? I need to get the download of Spanish. You need to download to me, right? When we go into Argentina or Brazil or Mozambique, we need a translator. Go to Colombia, we need a translator. So what is the... <laughs> she's glad she's not translating. To, yeah, last week was hard and even worse with Jennifer Costell on Wednesday. Oh, my gosh. Okay, so what is this language of the kingdom? Well, let's, uh, let's turn with me, if you will, to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. 1 Corinthians 2. First of all, I want to tell you that God's first language is not English. It's not Spanish either. I hate to tell you... Also, Willie, I'm sorry. I want to burst your bubble there, but um, even though he says, you know, when we get to heaven, I'm going to be surprised. Peter will meet me at the gate and said, buenos dias. (laughs) I'm like, how do you know that? (laughs) Anyway. All right. Well, if it happens, I'll repent. But I believe that this tells you that the language of the king and his kingdom is not English. Are you there? 1 Corinthians 2. Let's look at verse 9. 1 Corinthians 2, 9, it says, I'm going to read King James. But as it is written, eye has not seen, ear has not heard, neither hath it entered into the heart of man what God has prepared for those that love men. Boy, can I get an amen on that? You can't even imagine how wonderful it's going to be. Whoo, boy. No wonder they don't want to come back. We try to bring them back from the dead. The Lord, we want to see that. 
For when, what man knows the things of man save the spirit of a man which is in him? Even so, the things of God knows no man but the spirit of God. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God, which things also we speak, not in the words which man's wisdom teaches, but what the Holy Ghost teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. But the natural man can't receive these things of the Spirit. See, if you continue to operate in the natural laws of your thinking, you will miss this. So he says, there's foolishness unto them, neither can they know them, because they are spiritually discerned. But he that is spiritual can judge all these things, yet he himself is not judged by man. For who hath known the mind of the Lord, except that he may instruct them, because we have the mind of Christ. Hold on to that, because I got an article in here that'll, I had to read it for an hour plus last night. Quantum physics in the neuroscience and psychology of the neurophysical model of the mind-brain interaction. I had to read, Tony, I had to read this over and over again. It was like, this sounds like some doctor wrote this. He probably was. Now, I'm not criticizing that, but, it, but here's the point. When you look at quantum physics, quantum mechanics, we're going to dive into this. The mind has already got electric signals and impulses. Right now, I told you, I'm speaking. Your ear bone, which is the smallest bone in your ear, is vibrating, and it's translating my words into a signal to your brain and your gray matter at three and a half pounds of gray matter that's now being understood by you to understand what I'm saying. Now, that in itself ought to just like, what? Right? That's why you're created in God's image. And so this, this idea that the, the brain, this, it's, it's not just made up of atoms and matter and gray stuff. It's an electric signal in the hands of God who created your brain in his image that you might have understanding of the revelation of the kingdom. That's why we have the mind of Christ. And if we will move away from the natural, trying to force ourselves into natural revelation and say, God then you will see from quantum mechanics and quantum physics, there are limitless, unlimited possibilities in God. That's what they found out in quantum physics. This thing that, when you look at Newtonian physics, it's like an apple falls from the tree and it goes to the ground because gravity got it, it's repeated. But 100 plus years ago, we decided that, no, wait, what about the Wright brothers? They could overcome that by aerodynamics. But you realize that things are evolving. This is nutty. This is what's going on right now. And it's another revelation that the end is very near. In the book, I'm going to have you turn there. Turn with me to the book of Daniel, Daniel chapter 12. Go back. And this is a prophecy. If you've read that book, if not, you might want to read it. It's really incredible revelation from 2,600 plus years ago. The last chapter of the book of Daniel is a prophetic chapter. It's called the time of the end. And one of the keys, I just want you to see here, one of the things that's stated is people will, will go to and fro in the earth and knowledge will increase. Okay? Listen to the statistics, Barner statistics. We know people are going to and fro. In fact, 
They're now, these billionaires are going to ride rockets to, to the space. They just signed up with Tesla, I think it was, right? It was one of those, to, to go into outer space. Chapter 12, Daniel, verse 1. At the time Michael, the archangel, who stands guard over your nation, Israel, will arise. There will be a time of anguish greater than any since the nations first came into existence. Hello, sounds like Matthew 24, Luke 21, Mark 13, Jesus said. But at that time, every one of your people whose names are written in the book will be rescued. Many of those whose bodies are dead and buried will rise up. Sounds like the rapture, right? See this? Look at verse 4. But you, Daniel, keep the prophecy secret, sealed up until the time of the end. There is so much going on. Movies, apocalypse, alien. I mean, it's all over the place. But you, Daniel, keep the prophecy, seal the book until the time of the end, when many will rush here and there, and knowledge will increase. Barna statistic I got yesterday says this. Up until the 1900s, knowledge was doubling every 100 years. Now, think about it. We, we, cars, cell phones, it's only been 100 years or less. When was the internet inv- invented, right? In 1945, it didn't, it doubled in 25 years. In 1982, it was doubling every 13 months. In 2020, knowledge is doubling every 12 hours. Supercomputers and artificial intelligence all being put together at this point, knowledge in a particular area is doubling every 12 hours. Now that will blow your mind, but it also is prophetically when the end of everybody running all over the place and the Knowledge has increased, yet they're ever learning. Do they ever come to the knowledge of truth? And this is place where, wow, God, we, we gotta, we, we gotta train our senses to discern this King and His kingdom. We need, our knowledge in the we need a we we need that. Yeah, we gotta double in. Yeah, every twelve hours, double our spiritual knowledge and re- Woo! Wow! Yipes! Boy, that would be awesome. Now, he says, train, turn with me to Hebrews chapter 5, 14. This is one of my favorite scriptures we use in prayer ministry. In Hebrews 5, 14, it's called the spiritual growth. It's that whole chapter. We've shared it here before if you've been with us. In Hebrews 5, in verse 11, it starts out with a really negative sermon. You're really a bunch of babies. You're immature. You can't eat meat yet. You're still sucking on bottles. I wish you'd grow up. And it goes on. It's like, wow, I don't feel motivated right now. Pastor just leveled me. But then he goes on. It says, for someone who lives on milk is still an infant. Verse 14. Now, here's the point. Solid food is for those who are mature, who through training have the skill to recognize the difference between right and wrong. King James says it even better. Strong meat belongs to those who are of full age, even those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. You need to cultivate, now listen to me now, please, underline this. You need to cultivate your communication with the Holy Ghost. 
You need to get in a place where you know that you know that's the Holy Spirit. It may save you and your family's lives. Listen to me. I'm not kidding. You need to get into a place where the revelation of the Holy Ghost, I know that that's God. Now, however that he does that with you. This morning, we were in worship. My wife and I, we turned on this uh, Bethel Victory. Uh, we're just doing our devotional time. And all of a sudden, whoa, whoa, I'm getting like shocks. And you know, from the, one of the ways the Lord does this with me is all of a sudden, I get these electric things going up my arms. I don't know how some people get the hair on the, however he communicates to you, right? Um, someone on my staff gets the chicken anointing. Whoa, 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 whoa. I, I'm not making fun of it because I would never do that, but I'm glad I get the electrocution. My, my point is cultivate Get quiet with God. Ask the Holy Spirit to come on you and pay attention to your senses. The mature believers will train themselves to understand what is good and evil. Then when you walk into a witchcraft shop and all of a sudden it's like, ah, what is that? That's the Holy Ghost saying, danger, 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 ranger, ranger, danger, or something like that. Anyway, so, so you need to pay attention to how God cultivates language with you. Well, I never feel anything. Trust me, you will. Just pay attention. Spend time speaking in tongues. Get quiet with the Lord. Get in his presence. When you start to feel like, whoa, whoa, you know, it's like that presence. Cultivate it. Ask the Lord to communicate with you. So that's just the way he talks to me, right? And so he loves you. And he wants to communicate with you. That is really going to be important as we move forward in this faith, supernatural realm of quantum faith. It's going to, I'm laying groundwork for you. Okay. Train your senses. It has to be received as a little child. We won't turn there, but in Mark 10, number 3B there, if you, Jesus, remember they were like, get these children out of here. You're bothering us. Send them to children's ministry. Get them out of here. We don't want them in worship. They, they're running all over the place. And I've had people come and say, yeah, well, yeah, you better watch how they do it. I, I study them because if you don't get like that, you don't even get to come in the kingdom. Red letter word, Jesus. So suffer the little children to come unto me. And unless you become like a little child, it's like amazing. I had, we had our birthday party for Elijah. He turned 10 this week. So we had everybody over the house and we were playing cards and you know, we're being silly. I got a one-year-old uh, little um, Rosalie. She is something else. And then three-year-old Annabelle and five-year-old Gabriel. And like, I can tell them things and they believe me. I just tell them stuff. It's like, Papa said. We got to get like that. Papa said. Papa said. Get your brain out of the way. Well, Papa, how do you make an axe head? How do people walk on water? How do, how do the blinds get yourself out of there and just listen to what Papa said? Let us become like little children. All this, well, I got this my degrees. And, oh, please. Hmm. There's a reason that Jesus, the Father, sent Peter 
to the educated Jews, and he sent Paul, the educated Jew, to the Gentiles so that your mess would get out of the way. Hello. I'll just leave that with you. All right. Now, here we go. We're going to shift deeper, and we'll have to pick this up. Beliefs produce because matter obeys words spoken from the realm of faith. God said, let there be light. Let me say that again. Beliefs, what you believe. Remember Proverbs 23, 7. What a man or a woman believes in their heart, so it is, whether it's true or false. Right? Whatever you believe. You believe you're going to get rejected. That's why when Jennifer was here, get online. If you didn't listen to those, you need to listen to those. Remember, everything that comes in this house is laying a foundation. Listen to this. You've got to get the robe of rejection off you. You got to get the robe of unforgiveness off you because he can't take this house where he wants to go with it. He's preparing us, but if we're so wrapped up in all the things out there, you will miss what he's doing. And then you'll wonder, why, how did I miss it? And come on. Listen to it. I understand you can't get here all the time. Go online. It's a blessing that we got Daniel in the team. It's online. Go listen to it. Get the concepts down. You can do it in, it's part of your studies, right? What she said was, you need to be at that place where your words produce. God said, let there be light. Number five, this producing because things obey. When we, by faith, understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that the things which are seen were not made of the things which are visible. Hebrews 11.3. All right, turn with me to Hebrews. Let's go there. We've been jumping all around that. Turn to Hebrews chapter 11. In Hebrews 11, it says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Faith is a substance, the substance. Now listen, verse 2. The elders obtained a good report. Would you like to receive a good report from heaven? I, we all would like to be, right? By the way, you are a king and a, you're a priest. Revelation 1.6 says, you are now a kingdom of kings and priests. Wow, wow, what? Go read it. Revelation 1.6, you're a king. If you like it, you're a queen, right? You're royalty, right? What does he say in 1 Peter chapter 2? You're the living stones, a royal priesthood, a holy nation being formed in the temple of God. Come on, what, what gets, get in this, right? I'm royalty. Now, don't let it go to your head. We're not going to kiss your ring. It's just going to, but, but realize at this point, you are royalty. And it says that he, re, he reveals these truths to us. Remember, let's, let me give you a couple of scriptures that I, I love. This thing about re, revealing things, we, we look at, my, this is one of my mom's favorite verse. Keep your finger right there in 11. And go back to Deuteronomy 29, 29. These revealed things belong to you. Secrets. Secrets that belong to you. And your children forever. Verse 29, Deuteronomy 29. Now the Lord our God has secrets known to no one, but the things which are revealed belong to those belong unto us and to our children forever that we may do all the words of this law. So there are secrets. Now, Proverbs says this. You don't need to turn there. I'll just read it to you. In Proverbs 
25.2, it is God's privilege to conceal a matter and king's privilege to discover them. So as a king, God's got some secrets. He doesn't reveal those things to the whole world. He reveals them to his people, those who are seeking to know them. So you can say, God, would you share with me? I've done this before. Lord, can you tell me a secret? Something I don't know. Share secrets with me. you got secrets, right? You know everything. Like when he revealed to the Wrights brothers, this is how you, or whoever they are that disclaimed, who are, how did they learn to fly? How did they learn to put rockets in here? How did they learn to do this? Oh, we just happened to discover penicillin to kill. Oh, really? All good gifts come down from the king of kings, the Lord of lights that brings it all down. So there's this thing, secret things that have been kept, and now, God, we want to know them. But these secret things, we know that the worlds were formed. It says, notice it says in 5a there, the things which were seen were not made by things which are visible. The word of God, they, the worlds, plural. You know, they're finding out now with all these super electronic microscopes and telescopes, and it's incredible what they're finding out. There are more stars closer than they thought, you know, only a, a few hundred light years away, right? traveling at 186,000 miles a second. Wow. All right, let me introduce this, and we'll pick up next week. I'm already after 12. It says, let's turn with me to Luke 17. In Luke 17, boy, it got hot in here. I'm wound up. Okay, Luke 17. Verse, let's look at verse 6. Well, first of all, in, in the teaching of this scripture, Jesus, the, the disciples come to him, and, and one of the, <laughs> the disciples asked him, how many times do I have to forgive somebody? If somebody falls into sin and says, watch yourselves, right? And look at verse, it says in verse 2 there, it says, verse 3, so watch yourselves. If another believer sins, rebuke that person. Then if there's a repentance, forgive them. Even if that person wrongs you seven times a day, and each time it turns again and, and asks for forgiveness, you must forgive. Can you imagine somebody comes to you seven times today and says, forgive me, and then does it again, forgive me, does it again, forgive me, does it again, forgive me. Like, I don't know about you, I'm about ready to forgive you something, right? I'll lay hands on you, right? And so, and so, now look at the disciples' response. I love it. That's probably what I would have said, maybe not as diplomatically. They said, uh, Lord, show us how to increase our faith. <laughs> you got to increase our faith. And then it's like he changes the subject. We're talking about forgiveness. I need faith so I don't bless him with a brick. And now he says this, verse 6, the Lord answers, if you have faith, even as small as a mustard seed, you could say to this mulberry tree, may you be uprooted and thrown into the sea, and it would obey you. He's like, What's that have to do with forgiveness? Because faith operates in a realm that we don't understand. You can't forgive. There are things that have been done to me and my wife. You can't forgive in the natural. It's only by supernatural grace. When he hung on the cross, he said, forgive them. And they don't know what they do. He forgave. He modeled that for us, right? And so out of the heart, the mouth will speak. Have faith in God in your heart, and you can command mountains. All right, I'm going to stop here. I would 
really like you to take these three pages home with you, read through them, and look at the scriptures. Especially, I would like you to really meditate on that scripture there in in C, in 5C, where it's, it's Mark eleven twenty two 22 through 25. It's the whole, uh, Bishop spoke on this in the past. It's the fig tree that didn't produce figs, and Jesus, Jesus curses it, right? You know the story. And the next day they come back, and they said, look at that thing. It's all withered up at the roots. There are at least six principles that are in that scripture that are revealed by the Holy Ghost, because people say, well, I prayed and nothing happened. We're having this discussion. Prayed for someone and they died. Well, what's the matter? Why doesn't God up? Well, let's just dismiss that. It must not be for No. Take a look at what's there, the principles, the conditionality. Because when we get into quantum faith next week, you will find out that what they have finding out, that electrons and matters, you know, they thought it was all particles, but then they found out in quantum physics, when the physicist looks at it, it becomes something that he believes. And it changes by the ones who are looking at it. The question is, how does the matter know we're looking at it? And how does it know what I believe? Because according to your faith, be it unto you. And all things are possible to those who believe. So when you start reading this, like, whoa. And then if you want, go online and this will put you to sleep. Just look up quantum physics, quantum mechanics, and, and like, read that. And I guarantee you sleep well. But there's this, there's this, but there's, there's something here. Because the scientists, I have three articles here. That epigenetics of child development, how children's experiences affect their genes. The quantum physics in the mind-brain interaction of what you believe. It's not all just gray matter. What you say to a child. We're going to look at these words that are listed in here. What you say, you will have. Then we're going to look, and this is a scary one, because we're going to look at supernatural gateways of darkness. Reader, be advised. This is about how an accurate detail of how the death of Anton LaVey, the founder of the First Church of Satan in Los Angeles, California, died. Unfortunately, there are those who choose to live a life of darkness with the intention of promoting darkness. Each and every one of us is a gateway of a supernatural way either for good or for evil. And there's stuff happening at the scientific level right now that God is revealing to us at this time for a reason. We're going to see supernatural things occurring. He said signs would follow, but he also said watch out for the false signs. When the Antichrist comes on the scene and he calls fire from the sky and he creates it, you got to know the difference between what the Word says and how your daddy talks to you, and that is not God. All right, let's stand to our feet. I know we're full here. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Lord. Sarah, could you come and play? So I want to invite the ministry team, if you'll come and put on a mask if you can, because if you're going to get really close to someone and pray and they want to share really personal things with you, Word says, if you'll confess your sins to him, he's faithful. We did that in communion today. But he goes on and he says, 
In Mark chapter 5, if any suffering among you, let him call for the elders of the church. Let them anoint with oil. And the prayer that we offer in faith will heal the sick sozo, save, heal, and deliver. Then it goes on and it says, confessing your sins one to another that you might be sozoed. Jesus doesn't need my help or anyone's help. The blood will answer the sin pattern. But there's something about the wounded brokenness that when, when we reveal it to another, there's a healing that takes place. And if your pride and your stuff gets in the way of revealing or confessing that, please don't let that get in the way. Prayer ministry is a powerful tool. We've seen it unlock many, many dark places and brokenness. So Lord, I ask you now, Father, as we embark on the secrets, these kingdom revelations that you're bringing, they're now mapping the mind. They are seeing the interaction with interactive colors of the court, the different functions of the brain that light up and what they mean and how they respond and what happens when a word is spoken or music and worship is played that the tongues of those who speak tongues, their brain cortex is bigger than others. They have found out that Christians who have been attending church during the pandemic have less depression and are not suicidal. God, there's so much mystery of what we want more of, God. We, you're a supernatural God, and we're asking to reveal these secrets to us that we might advance the kingdom, not to cause any pride or arrogance in us, but for your kingdom to advance. So I thank you, Lord. All those listening by live stream now or in the future, God, I just pray a blessing that you would come to the kingdom and the king who operates this domain. And God, I thank you now. I pray a blessing over all those that are here. Lord, I thank you for all the parties going to take place today. Let this be a healing time. Even if you're not into football, let the nation forget all the politics for a moment and just enjoy a nice football game. And Lord, don't let the alcohol override any of that garbage. Jesus, we just thank you, Lord. And Lord, I pray for Kansas City too, in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you all. Bless you.